Yesterday's price is not today's price. Imagine every player's aiming coach right. Master recipes under stove lights. The number on his jersey is the quote price. You order Diet Coke, that's a joke, right? Everybody get it off the boat, right? But only I can really have a Boom, just like that, we're back Wednesday morning. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today's episode is brought to you by none other than ProLineStadium.com, Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. Play Stadium bets for the best odds, featuring spread lines of 1.95 per side. Let me repeat myself, 1.95 per side. ProLine players also score access to great regular promotions. Right now, each $25 wager on football will earn you a $10 free play token to place on the winning margin up until the big game. Sunday, February 13th, big Super Bowl game coming up this weekend. Uh, Tons of props also available for this Sunday's big game, including everything from who will win the coin toss to who will score first. Get in the game today at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app today. Must be 19 years of age or older. Please play responsibly. Today's episode is also brought to you by Generous United. Generous United is a membership-based buying group headquartered right here in Atlantic Canada. Their goal is to make sure prescription drugs are more affordable so you can live a healthy life during this pandemic. One thing I really love about Generous United right now is that they're helping out small businesses who maybe can't afford health care for their employees. If you can save one aspect of health care, whether it be a massage, dental, acupuncture, you're going to be able to afford other aspects of health care. So head on over to Generous United that's G-E-N-R-U-S United dot C-A and see if there's anything that they can be doing for you today. And just like that, we are back. I love a little Wednesday morning coffee. You wake up, you do the intro for the podcast. You have electrolytes going. I don't know if electrolytes are in coffee, but you know what I mean. I feel good. First thing in the morning. I love it. Uh, today on the High Button Podcast, we have Drake Robinson. Drake is a local ref here in Atlantic Canada. He refs everywhere from U18, uh, AUS. He actually did his first game in the queue, I think, last year, he said. Uh, So he's an up-and-coming ref here in Atlantic Canada. He's been in the game forever. His old man, Ian Robinson, is actually the PA announcer for the Halifax Mooseheads and the midday announcer for Hot Country 103.5 here in Halifax. Um, I thought it would be a great episode to have uh, Drake on the podcast since he's been in this hockey community for quite some time now, actually playing for a stint in Junior B here in Nova Scotia. Um, And also his dad having a background in... uh, in local hockey as a PA announcer, which we had Ian on, uh, I think, I don't know, three months ago now. And, uh, and he was just such a great guy. And I put the puzzle together when I found out actually at the U18 tournament for the major, for, I can't say major, major, but the U18, uh, early bird a couple, uh, months ago before the season started, Drake uh, and I were talking and he said that his dad was Ian and then Ian came on. I was like, all right, well, when Ian's on, you got to come on after, uh, and that time is now. So Drake Robinson going to be a great episode. I'm Justin. This is the high button podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Boom, Drake, we're going. How are you? Live, here we go. Thanks for coming in on this rainstorm. I don't know if you're going to make it out. The basement might flood. Might get a little floody. If temperature <laughs> drops, we'll put skates on to get out of here, but... 
What a what a day. For some reason, rain does rain affect your mood or do you stay even keel throughout life? I'm pretty even keel guy. Okay, that's, that's that knows a skill. Me. Uh, I don't like driving in the rain. No. Just that sucks. I'd rather drive in snow than rain, but probably a minority on that. Yeah. Aside from that. I don't bother much. Being a ref, you have tons of stories about driving in winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, winter, just bad storms. We, I normally will not say the roads are that bad. A couple weeks ago, that rainstorm that we had, I feel like we had a storm every Friday of the past three, four weeks. Um, yeah. Definitely a couple long drives in some snow, a couple white-knuckle trips, you could say. Yeah. I remember coming home from Berwick once at, it should be like an hour and a half drive and took closer to three, a little over three. <laughs> But aside from that, made it home and then went honestly went back to Berwick the next day for like an 11 o'clock game. Oh, the grind. <laughs> yeah, because uh, one of the guys I was with, he had to get back to the city for whatever reason. We carpool, right? Yeah. So it's one guy wants to stay. It doesn't necessarily work out that way. Yeah. It's an interesting because you guys are a team technically. Like the refing group, when you guys are together, like if you guys go on a road trip, you're there together. Oh, it's... Honestly, there's some guys that spend more time with us and we're, they see us as a family more than they see their own family. I believe it. Because you're going to Yarmouth for three hours there, hour before the game, two hours for the game, three-hour drive back. I mean, it's 11-hour day roughly by the time you yeah. get back to the city. So 100%. I don't know how some of the guys do it, but. I'm sure when you get up to the higher levels, though, you're flying there on a plane, nice hotel, a little breakfast, heading over to the rink. You I know, haven't experienced that, but it'd I'm be sure nice heard, to do I'm that. I'm sure you've heard stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. They definitely enjoy themselves. They're looked after well. Yeah. How did you get involved in refing? Um, the long story of it is we were... Did you play mini sticks when you were a kid? What kind of question is that? Of course. School year. Did you play it in, like, at school? Yeah, like I played in like the the, the basketball cage. Yeah. Yeah. We would do that at BLT, Beach Hill Lakes at Timberley. And <laughs> we were grade three, I think it was. So how old are you in grade three? Nine, ten? I'm terrible at this. Let's say nine, ten. Okay, eight. eight or nine. So okay. we would play mini sticks, and it got pretty rough. And our principal came out and said, look, you guys are hurting each other too much. Too many people are getting sent to the office. Not doing mini sticks anymore. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> And if you tell any Canadian kid, they're going to be like, what do you mean we can't play hockey? <laughs> so I made the proposition, the deal, if I referee the games, will you let us continue to play? Wow. So eight or nine years old, I go to school, I take my mini stick and a whistle, and mini sticks in my <laughs> backpack that day. And I started refereeing this mini stick game that we have going on at recess. And the principal sat there, watched it, and was like, okay, well, we're going to let you keep playing. And we play for the next couple of years until mini sticks weren't cool anymore but that was how it started and then when i was 14 i think was when i actually started doing it on the ice okay is that the normal age around yeah 14? i think now they've started doing it like with if you're 11 or 12 they'll start to do it at the novice levels okay but when i first started it was you had to be at least 14 to get okay. into it 14 sounds about right because you never you could have someone yell at you at 14 you got to be able to somewhat handle it yeah i mean you definitely learn quickly um you get a thick skin doing it. You don't really take anything personally. And I do think that, unfortunately, that is a big deterrent of getting people through it. Because I know that I started with two or three of my buddies that started it. Mm. And uh, I'm the only one still doing it. Like, there are a lot of people that f- get weeded out, I'd say, or f- lose interest in the first couple, two, three years because of that, I would say. Really? Yeah. That's oh, such a shame. It is. Because it's a, it's a great opportunity. There's so much opportunity with it. Um, if you just stick with it and kind of have to get through those first couple of years. Cause I would say that those first couple of years are definitely the toughest because you don't know anything. 
you're learning mm-hmm. everything and mm-hmm. you're working with people that don't really do it for a profession or have not been involved as much, I would say, mm-hmm. because you have the, like the parents that are more heavily involved, more emotionally involved, I would say too, because it's their kid that's out there, right? So things I would say do get heated and you do take more abuse at the younger levels, unfortunately, because mm. of how heated some of the parents get. I feel like a lot of those parents feel like there's a lot on the line with those games, even though there isn't, but in their head, an Adam AA game is the world to them because you never know the Bantam AAA coaches in the stands. I would say, yeah, too. And it's always the way that I look at it. It's their hockey, their Saturday night, right? Whether it's a Tuesday or it's a Monday morning or Monday morning. Sunday morning, whatever it is, right? It, it's their time to shine. It's their time for the game, right? Yeah. So I, I do see why. It's just unfortunate that it does deter so many young officials as well. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think came uh, most naturally to you about the, the refing thing? Actually, uh, that's no, I wouldn't want to ask that about refing because you start as a linesman, correct? For the most part, yeah. So what came uh, natural to you about that aspect of refing or linesman, excuse me? I think it was just my involvement in the game like I always played. Yeah. Um, as a kid growing up and played right through till high school. Um, the part that comes most naturally is just your involvement in the game. It's I find it very difficult to do if you've never played it at a higher, and I didn't play at a high level, I played high school. But if you haven't played at all, I find it's definitely harder. I would have liked to play higher because I feel like you can definitely, there's more things to learn, but I kind of had to choose, not choose, but definitely there was a point where I was like, hey, I'm going to continue to referee and focus on this rather than go and play junior b i did play a little bit of junior b but not much where at brookfield oh yeah i heard Um, they got great fans there it was interesting so honestly there was a transition in between from so i played high school and i think it was a year maybe two off of playing and they needed a couple defensemen so i had two buddies that played in brookfield their coach said find a guy who can skate backwards and carry a stick and bring him out So I fit that criteria. I can check those two boxes. I can skate and carry a stick. Has a pulse too. Has a pulse. Can like make like my specialty as a player was defenseman. So my specialty breakout was like off the glass and out. Wasn't making much tape to tape. Hey, that's a great defenseman. Off the glass and I mean, out. That's, it's, it's, that it's was my a... specialty there. So played, I think, six games of junior B. Yeah. But it wasn't, and it was just more for the fun of it. Yeah. And actually got a fairly good story. If It's not really a refing story, but uh, one of my other play- buddies played for Liverpool. And Liverpool's probably one of my favorite rinks to to go and work at. Um, didn't really play much of anything, but they always get a good crowd. I think it's the only place you'll go and see uh, Junior B jerseys worn in the stands. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've ever been. To, I've, I probably have been in the Liverpool rink, but I, I wouldn't know I was there, you know? We've been in every rink in Nova Scotia. I think it's one of the better rinks. Like any of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the new rinks that they build should be modeled after Liverpool. Liverpool. There's everything about the rink's good, in okay. my opinion. Okay. Um, so it's probably like my sixth or seventh game playing in junior B and it's going to be my last. And one of my buddies that I'm playing against, we're actually living together the next year. Like we already had the lease sign and everything. And he doesn't have a fight under his belt and neither did I. (laughs) So it was like a five, two game. I think it was in the third period and not much going on. Like, I don't think I'm ever really going to get this opportunity again. So I like pick the puck up, make probably one of the best little rushes that I have made in my brief junior B career. Yeah dump the puck into his corner and he's out there too and I give him a whack in the back of the ankles and he turns around and I just kind of shake my gloves at him and we just went at it. <laughs> were, you, were you able to punch him? Oh, it was like a pretty good fight. Like was I'm it? not kidding at all and th- I knew the two guys that were refing, and at the end of it they were like looking at me like what are you doing in here? Why are you fighting him? Like, And I was like explaining to him I was like I actually know the guy like we're going to be living together the next couple of years like and like 
didn't make any sense and didn't comprehend it all. I'm like, it was a good fight. Um, he'd say that he won. I'd say that I won. But I'm glad that's the way it is. No one went down. And then after the fight, uh, I was, like, worried. Like, not that he was, like, beat up or bloody or anything. But I just want to go see him, see he was okay. Yeah. And so I, like, take my jersey off, take my shoulder pads, elbow pads off, like, off the ice and go down to the dressing room, to, like, his dressing room. Yeah. And there's a manager or some lady there who's freaking out. She's looking at me. She's like, you can't be coming down here. Blah, blah. She oh, thinks, she doesn't know your buddies. She doesn't know okay. we're buddies. Okay. And like, why would you based off of what just <laughs> happened out there? So she's looking at me and trying to, she thinks I'm going for round two off the ice. And like, no, like I'm just want to make sure he's okay. Like, yeah, I need to lift home. I, I need to lift home. Like I'm going to get a whole drive home, but no, it was good fun. Um, that was about the extent of my junior career. And that's a great way to go out. Though. Yeah. It was fun. You know? Yeah. Have you heard the story about me and dudes fighting? No. Me, me and dudes fought and same, very similar story. He texted me at lunchtime that day and was like, I don't have a fight. Every, all the boys are making fun of me. We got to go. And we ended up fighting and I couldn't hit him. Like I had a couple opportunities to like plop him on the nose, but yeah. I would just miss and I just like, I couldn't physically, I just, it's not in me. I couldn't do it. I honestly don't remember much of it. I remember smiling at him for squaring off and then you get hit in the face once and then you don't remember much after that. But it was pretty much the same thing. Like the other guys had fights under the belt and they yeah. were kind of making fun of my other buddy. Yeah. And that's the way it played out. I, the first ever fight I did it was in lacrosse. Yeah. And I, lacrosse was way tougher than a, a hockey fight because lacrosse fight is a street fight. It's, yeah. Take your helmets off, your gloves, you're, it's a street fight. Yeah. So I, I always found it, uh, I was like, okay, well, if I can do a lacrosse fight, I can do a hockey fight. But for some reason, I was more nervous for a hockey fight. But as soon as you get it over with, so much adrenaline. So much. You don't yeah. feel anything. No. You could break you your nose and you're like, yeah, I don't know. No, yeah, you don't know. You know, maybe it would hurt the people to break their nose. We're like, well, you don't know what it does. I've They've broken, broken it. You've broken your nose? Yeah, oh yeah. Not hockey or anything. Completely separate incident, but How's that happened. Did you talk about that? Um, Reffing? No, not reffing. Um, I was surfing, actually, in Tofino. I was 13 or 14. Oh. And I was fixing the strap on, uh, like, the surfboard strap attached to your ankle. Yeah. And so I've never really been surfing before. Um, so I have the board pointed out into the ocean. Towards the waves that are coming towards the wave that are coming at me, and yeah. it's like a long 12, 10 foot board. So a wave comes and just pops the board, and basically ah. right and like basically running into a wall, and it's banged up, but it is what it is. There's a little crazy dude. It's my party trick. Do you want to see the party trick? Let's see it. It just goes right and flat like that, <laughs> and it goes over to one side too, and not again, the other again, side. So it goes flat like that. I didn't think we'd end up doing this, or I don't know how we ended up in this part of the conversation, but it also goes, like, over that side, but then it does not go there at all. Jesus. Anyway, that's the party trick. All right. So that, we're that getting comfortable. We're getting... getting... <laughs> I love it. All right, you got a broken nose. You got a story. Yeah. couple stories. couple stories. Yeah, man. So I, I don't even... What, what, so the, the, you answered the question, the thing that came most naturally to you about being a linesman slash ref was the fact that you already played the game and you knew the rhythm of the game. Is that what your answer yeah, was? Yeah, And then it does come to a point, too, where they look at you. And, I mean, if you look at me, I'm 5'8", not that big of a guy. Yeah. You get pushed towards either – more towards a referee. Why? Because for lines, and they want you to be bigger, just to break up fights and scrums and things like that. I don't think it's as important nowadays, given just there's less fighting in the game, but still, that's always an attribute. Yeah. Uh, is they, if you're taller, they want, try and push you more towards the lines. I don't think it, they as much worry about it these days, mm. but 10 years ago, definitely. Yeah. It was more of a thing. 100%. 
One thing I loved about the mic'd up video that we did with you was your communication skills with the players. When I was a player, there's nothing more that I loved than having a ref that would talk to me. You know, even if I was like out of position, they'd be like, hey, look, man, you're, you're too low. Get up high. What are you doing around me? Like, I, yeah. like little stuff like that. I love that. And I noticed that in you with the mic'd up video. You were great with that, with talking to the players and, you know, even the, the goalie, the goalie, like, ice the puck and you're like what are you doing like yeah something like that i don't know what exactly it was but you were really good at that did that always did that always come naturally to you being able to talk to the players or did it take you a bit to to get comfortable and, and show your personality it's with these guys definitely a confidence thing yeah. and i would say at that level too i'm definitely i've been in that working that league for eight years nine the years you 18 league yeah. yeah um so that's definitely i'd say my most comfortable league mm. um and i know not as much now but there's a group of kids we kind of all came up together. Like so when I was refing, they'd be in Adam. Yeah. And then okay. they were in Pee Wee yeah. and they kinda of worked we worked our way up together. I was refing, they were playing. Um but it definitely is like just the confidence thing. And I do find too, it just keeps you more in tune with the game. And I didn't realize how much I commented on plays. Until you watched the until video. Until I watched that video. Really? That's I had interesting. no idea. Didn't know that I did that. And like that wasn't me doing it for the video, like or doing it for the microphone. Like I forgot. <laughs> after two minutes that it was on there that's the best i love when that happens and it's that was just me going out there having fun and doing what i enjoy doing so that's awesome yeah it's great too that you get to see these guys from an atom age go all the way up to major midget it's like the the respect is there already between the two yeah so this guy's been reffing me forever yeah and it's pretty cool when you get to the point they know you on a first name basis and things like that too it mm. just makes communication easier too mm. Um, and I find if someone's kind of going off, if you just say them, call them, some, calling someone by name usually snaps them out of it mm. or at least draws your attention mm. or draws their attention away. Mm. And it does help in that sense for sure. I always found a good ref whenever I played was able to control the demeanor of a coach or the game even. You know, if a game's getting out of hand, obviously the ref needs to be able to control it. And I always thought when I was younger, that's what a great ref was. You're going to let a play go here. You're going to get a little, little play go there. What were some of the things that you learned early in your career to be able to control a coach that's yelling at you, to be able to to control a player that's yelling at you, other than giving them a penalty? Like, what, what were some tricks you had in the bag? I honestly don't really give too many unsportsmanlikes or anything like that. Yeah. Probably have done it may, like maybe a handful of times, if that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm lucky to have the patience. And one thing you learn, too, is that you can't let your emotions control you. But how long did it take you to learn that lesson? A while. So was there ever a time where you snapped back and like, what, the, what are you? There is times it does happen yeah. and it never helps. Never yeah. helps. You can't fight fire with fire. Okay. It just does not help. It does not work as much as you may want to at some points in times. Yeah. Um, it's not going to get you anywhere in that moment or down the road. You can kind of definitely build relationships over time and just let them vent it out and get it over with. I'm not saying it's the fun part of it or not encouraging it at all, but <laughs> it's part of what we unfortunately had to deal with. And part of, I don't think it's a good thing it's a part of the game, but it's a part that you have to learn to manage and have to learn to work with it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You either have it or you don't, I think. it's a, you, you have to be a different breed to be able to do what you do, man. I think, I think at least. And there's even different kind of breeds among us. Like there are some guys that are a little bit more chirpy and will give it back, and there's some guys that aren't. Mm. It's just kind of the way you're wired i guess yeah that's awesome I, that was a great answer um biggest challenges compared to u18 to the quebec major junior hockey league i've only done one quebec league game okay and it was a preseason game and that was a pretty cool opportunity at that because it was the one game that i've ever worked with my dad so like I was he was telling me about yeah, that. yeah so it was pretty cool it was probably one of the cooler moments i'm tying my skates in the dressing room before the game and it was just like an interim thing like it was just for one game um, so I'm wearing like my hockey Nova Scotia jersey 
and all the other guys have their Quebec League jerseys on and have numbers and names in the back, and I definitely stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, but it was pretty cool because I'm tying my skates there, and I can hear my dad announce like the officials for the game, and he said my name. So it was definitely a pretty cool moment. Um, but I would say comparing the AUS, because I do a little, quite a bit of AUS, Okay. biggest difference between that and major or U18 is just the speed. The speed is absolutely incredible difference, and especially, too, like there's a pretty good jump from – U18 to Junior B, then Junior B to Junior A. And then for me, the next level is AUS. Like, there's two or three levels of hockey that should be in between there. Those are grown men. Yeah, it's a massive difference. Yeah, and you got to keep up with it. So when you're a ref, you're in the corner all the way to the red line. You don't go past the other end? You kind of go from goal line to far blue line for the most part. Goal line to far blue line. So you're covering a lot of ice. Yeah. Your head has to be on a swivel, especially when the play is so quick. Yeah, that's you really learn to build trust with your defenseman. That's what I find is one of the hardest things to learn to do, too. If you're the referee that's in the neutral zone there and that defenseman's walking the line, mm. you really need to learn to trust them. Uh, and like Because they put it in the shin pads and you're both screwed because it's pretty much going the other way and you're turning the chase. Mm. But learning to trust your, the defenseman, too, and kind of read the defenseman as well. Yeah, um, like I play defense, so learning to kind of have how you hold a gap as a defenseman, mm. kind of doing the same thing as referee to hold a gap between the play. I feel like that's a fundamental of refing is just getting out of the way. Like, I feel like it's the easiest thing to say, but it's an extremely tough thing to do. Like, if you're in the corner and there's a scrum going, you're essentially just going to the opposite side every time there's a scrum. Yeah. But that's not easier said than done. It's definitely a bit, it's funny, because I know a couple of buddies that have gotten into refing or just, I wouldn't say they got into refing, but have done like a little bit here and there that have played, and they're like, I don't know where to stand. Yeah. Like, that's it. They just don't know where to stand, don't know where to be, don't know where to go. But and I feel like the answer. Oh, sorry, you go. You know the answer. It's yeah, and it's 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 learning. It's not you can't just walk up and do it right away. Like there are you learn things along the way, and you take different approaches and habits, good and bad sometimes that help it and hinder it. But it is a learning process, and you're always ad- adjusting and fine tuning things. And the quicker the game, I'm assuming, the quicker the decision making has to be. Yeah, it's honestly like gut instincts. Sometimes you don't really have much time to think or time to process it. Hmm. It's you have that one shot, that one moment, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that have different calls from the stands or different people that watch the video two or three times and say, how could you miss that? But mm. it does happen. You never want it to happen, but when it does, you just take it, learn from it, and try not to let it happen again. When you talk to scout refs, what are some things that they're looking for? I think the biggest thing, and one of the biggest things, is just your skating ability. Oh, yeah. Because if you can't put yourself in the position to get there, then that's half the battle is putting yourself in the position to get there for the call, right? Um, another thing, too, that can't really be taught is, like, you just your presence and your demeanor, like you said. Confidence. Confidence, and that goes quite a long way. Um, I can't remember where someone told me this, but it was a while ago. It was, like, you have two people that kind of walk into the room. One guy's, I guess you can look at it two different ways. It's just the way they care themselves. Like, if you have their chest up, head up, and everything like that, like, it does the way that you're polished and the way that you present yourself has a big difference as well, too. Interesting. Same thing as a hockey player, too. You say it's it's a matter of skating. Hockey is 50% skating. Yeah. You got to get there. You yeah. want to beat the guy that has the puck. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is kind of like your body. I guess another like analogy is like your body language, too. That always kind of like if a player's having a tough game, I think they were making, not they were giving what's, uh, McDavid a bit of a hard time for it a couple weeks, like his body language and stuff off the ice. So I feel like that's a little bit of it, too, but... Hmm. Yeah, body language is a tough thing sometimes if you're not completely aware of it. If you are having a shit game, it can be tough. For sure. 
Yeah. Um, moving up into other levels as a career, potentially. You know, I know you work at Deloitte, correct? That was a couple careers ago. Oh, was it? I was looking <laughs> yeah. at. I was looking at your. I was looking at your LinkedIn. Oh, uh, that's like one of it's a bit of a running joke. One of my buddies sends me this. He like sends to me every year, and I've never bothered to go in and update it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not big on social media at all of any kind. So I guess yeah, I worked at Deloitte, and then I was not a fan of that. Okay. Uh, I went to school, like studied accounting, doing my CPA. Okay, but I just knew it was not for me. So it was pretty scary, I guess you could say, of getting into a career type job that you think you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, but yeah. realizing it's not for you. So what's full time for you right now? Uh, I work for Manulife okay. on the insurance side of the business. Okay. Um, I really enjoy that. It's started in May. So I haven't been doing it okay. too, too long. Yeah. It's nine months roughly. Yeah. Um, been doing that. And I mean, it's a little bit different now because I've been COVID for the past two years. So working from home, working from home, not the most enjoyable thing, but yeah, you what, and everyone else what we're working with now. Look at this, working from home. Everyone got the studio. Yeah, works well. Everyone's working from home. Um, well, the question was, uh, like, at what point does an individual who's in the refing world go, okay, this is a full-time thing now? Is it only in the NHL, or can you do it at the Q level? Can you do it at the AHL level? What point does a, a guy have to go, eh, I'm going to do this full-time now? Not at the Q. I don't know of any guys that are in the Q and do it full-time. Most of them, I'd say all of them, have other jobs that they do or day jobs. Okay. Um, some of the AHL guys, I'm not sure if they go down and only pursue officiating or if they're still working kind of part-time jobs or I think they'll come home and work a job during the summer. Um, but I think you'd have to be at least AHL to kind of full-time. full-time. And that may not be for everyone. Like some of them may be full-time, some of them may be part-time as well. Mm. It all kind of depends. Oh, yeah. So you have to make that career choice at some point, though. Yeah, and it's not like it's ever... Refing is never a job you ever apply to. Like, I've never submitted a no? job. No, it's not the way it works. It's just kind of if they will come and find you. So you basically just kind of keep your nose to the grindstone, keep chipping away, and, like, I've never applied to anything for refing really, in my life. No way. So if it happens, it happens type thing. Yeah, if they, they come and... They will... If they... If you're good enough and if they need you, they want you, they'll come find you. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's you don't really see that in any form of business anywhere. No. Most people have a resume and apply. Yeah, and I don't. I might be speaking off term. I might be the only well, guy no, that's like it's... that, but I haven't, and I don't know of many other guys that have. It might be different in other parts of the country, um, but at least around here, that's not kind of the way it works. I like that, but I feel like there's a code among refs around here. Maybe like an unspoken thing. In what sense? Just maybe that's it. I you. you you don't apply. You, you you're asked if you want to move yeah. up. You have to work your butt off for it. You can't really ask for things. Yeah, and I've never asked. I'm. I know I've been given given a lot of opportunity. I kind of. I was very fortunate in the sense that I started. I worked into a lot of the leagues when they started going to the four official system. Yeah. So that definitely helped a lot because I was only primarily used as a referee. Mm. So it pretty much doubled the amount of referees they need and the jobs that were available when I was coming up. Interesting. Because I know some people that like worked around here and they're like, oh, I could be doing this, I could be doing that. And it's like, hey, I don't I don't know the refing world. Yeah, it's... The way if you're good to the game, the game's good to you, I yeah. guess. And I think it's just persistence, just sticking with it. And it's something yeah. that I enjoy doing and something I will do Yeah, as long as I'm able to. I love that. Yeah, It's great to have a passion like that. And it's not really like a job, it's just something you do for fun and you could turn it into a career. Yeah, that'd be awesome if I could and hope to do that one day, but just keep doing it and enjoying the ride for now. Any puck injuries? You ever get hit with a puck? Yeah, there's a couple. 
Um, nothing too, too bad. I don't think I've ever had stitches from a puck. There was once I got hit, like, kind of just right below the sternum. Like, it was high school, honestly, and I can say this because I played high school. High school is the worst for getting hit with pucks and whatnot. Because they don't, they don't put their head they up. They don't put their head up. They don't put their head up. I never did. Like I said, off the glass and out. <laughs> um, they don't really pick their head up. Junior A and Junior B, you can trust them a bit more. AUS, you can literally give them, like, half a foot behind you and they'll they'll thread the needle with it it's 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 nice to be able to trust them like that yeah and at the higher levels too if you get hit with a puck they generally come over and apologize yeah um the high school levels it's what are you doing staying in the way and this <laughs> one was just like it wasn't anyone's fault like it was a face off in the end zone uh penalty kills so the shorthand team on the puck back defenseman just head down slaps it i'm standing at center ice i'm not even looking like i'm not the puck came off a stick. I wasn't thinking I had to really get it out of the way. Yeah. I just kind of put my arm up like this, and puck hit me, like, right below the sternum. Oh. Uh, like, just in the stomach. And I'm glad oh. it did, because if it hit me higher up, I don't know what kind of force you need to break rib or anything, but it probably would have. And it was just doubled over for, like, it was a really weird feeling. Couldn't cra- couldn't catch a breath. Like, you, you it was lo- almost like it felt like I was underwater. You're like, <gasps> Yeah, could not can't. breathe. Could not breathe. I know the feeling. It was not a fun one. No protection there either. You only have shin pads and elbow pads on, correct? The only protection is built-in protection. (laughs) That's it. Oh, that would suck. Yeah, it wasn't fun. I I learned through a mic'd up video we did with, uh, I think it was dudes. And then the ref came up to him and was like, dude, when you're dropping that puck, the guys are way too close to you behind. If they're close enough, they'll come in and they'll slew foot you and you can break your knee. And I was like, oh, that's why the refs are always yelling, get back, get back, because they don't want to get slew footed off the draw. Yeah, it's when you see a ref doing that and – People always give the hard to the, and it's usually like the back line that does it. They're more or less looking out protecting their partner than they are worried about the face off. Because those guys don't typically have an impact on the play. I'm not saying they don't. Excuse me. Oh, but it's uh, it's more or less they're worried about their partner and don't want their feet taken out. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a big part of it. Yeah, when I heard that mic'd up clip, I was like, oh, that, like, my whole life, I had no idea why they're yelling at us to get back. But I guess you got to stay on the blue, lo- on the hash marks. But. To protect the linesman never entered my mind that whole my whole hockey yeah. career. And that's the thing too is the guys in front of you, you can see them visually keep them back. The guys that are behind the referee, behind the linesman, mm. they think they can get away with it, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. But then they got the guy at the far line going, bup, bup, get back. Yeah. Yeah. What are some things that you the refs just talk about at intermission in the dressing room? Honest, some guys are definitely a lot more intricate and will get into quite heavy discussion. Some guys, it's just kind of, it all depends. I always like to have, like, first two or three minutes in the room, like, you're questioning anything or just wondering about what you saw and what each other saw, just so you're always on the same page. Mm. Um, and it ver- some people, there's not much conversation. Some people, there's a lot more. Yeah, It always depends. Um, if you're on a road trip to Yarmouth with the same four guys, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit more chatter in the room. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, Yarmouth, yeah, there's always a bunch of people down in the Yarmouth ref room too. Anyone that, I don't know how many people will listen to that ref, but it's 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 a revolving door. It's always an entertaining scene down there. Why? What do you mean? There's always people coming and going. It's got to be the busiest room that I've ever seen in a rink. <laughs> I know when I played Junior A there, they let the fans buy the dressing room. So you're out just trying to tape your stick, get a, a glass of Gatorade, and there's just fans coming up to you talking like, What's up? Yeah. Like, all right, no, then you. It's one of my my favorite rinks to work in. Like, it's a long drive down there, but it's worth the drive because they fill that place. Oh, it's a, it's the heart of Yarmouth. Yeah. It's, it's a great little, great little town, great junior A town. I remember like when I played here, there wasn't, there was 
no fans. So you kind of look forward to a, a little road trip. Woodstock was great. Yarmouth was great. Amherst was always fun. Amherst is a good one. Amherst was, uh, is it still rowdy there? Yeah, it's one of the few like old barns I would say that you still get. There's not many old ranks that are still hosting higher levels of hockey. The jungle. The jungle. It's a great rank. I like it. I'm a fan of it. I remember we went there once and they were done O Canada and after O Canada they gave away a washing machine and they had to bring the washing machine out into the middle of the ice, do a raffle ticket and bring it back. And we were sitting there on the bench, our legs are cold. We're like, You can't you give the washing machine out at intermission? Like it's not the time they, right like, after O Canada. Did they put the ballots in the washing machine or what no, was the point of that? They brought the bingo thing out and spun it like eight, seven, two, four and Kathy up and I I got it, it's me. And we're just like, all right. So then they, what, what's the thing called when you, a pallet jack? The yeah, thing, yeah. It, so they had to roll it out, roll it back. It took like 12 minutes and we're sitting there just, what are we doing? That's oddly enough a memory I have from that rink. When the Fred Page Cup was there, Cup was a 2018 maybe? It was before COVID, maybe 2019. 2019, I think it was, yeah. I was used as the standby official for that game or for that series or for the tournament. Okay. So every game I was there and I had my referee jersey and my linesman jersey there. And I was there in case anyone went down. Um, thankfully, it was never used, never brought into action, but we'd buy tickets <laughs> for 50-50. Yeah. And the very first game I'm there, and I'm buying 50-50 tickets for the guys in the ice, and the lady asked me for my ID. And I kind of just looked at her and was like, seriously? And <laughs> showed her my ID. She sold me the tickets, and we ended up winning the 50-50. No. So we won like 1200 bucks, And she comes back, and she's like, there's no way you won. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, what? I gave, I think I gave a fake name because I didn't want to get, I didn't want the them to know the refs won. Because I have heard of stories where the refs buy 50-50 tickets and whoever the announcer was, and my dad ever did this, I bury him. But he, like, they announced that the referees won the 50-50 and the place just started booing, throwing stuff on the ice. It was not a good scene. Oh, I bet. That's terrible. <laughs> That's, <laughs> I know stories of like junior A teams, like they'd have, they'd have no money, right? So they do 50-50. And they'd get the goalie to pick the winning number, the backup goalie sitting yeah. on the bench, and they'd just slip him the winning ticket just so the team could get money. Like, but, but it would be under a fake name. Yeah, There's wow. some greasy stuff out there. There's a couple of ranks where they get the referee to, to pick the 50-50 number. Like you're out there oh, skating yeah. your lap to start the period, and yeah. they come out and shake the, ba- the basket <laughs> at you, and you go over and pick the number. I love it, 50-50. I love yeah. Junior A Barnes. Pick those another one that I always enjoyed going to. The fans got rowdy there. Was it the Brother John? Was that the old one? Or? Yeah, the old one, correct. Yeah, I've yeah. never been a part. I might have played there in Bantam, but I was never, I've never. i never worked a game in that old rank. Oh, it's first. my first playoff fight was there, I remember. And just as soon as I got kicked out, the fans were yelling. At the time, you're pissed, but on the bus ride home, you're happy. You're, like, yeah. you're just in the middle of it. It was a great, great atmosphere. Some of the Barnes in Nova Scotia are unbelievable. Uh, absolutely unbelievable the old one in Truro is pretty fun too oh with the square behind the net as yeah. you walk in the yeah. the cult though we live stream there i should know the name of it but you know Colch- that's a nice the colchester, colchester that's it colchester i'm not sure no that's a great one um growing up your old man had a pretty cool job still does yeah what was uh, that like go to a lot of games yeah always would try and get tag along as much as you can yeah and I'd say it probably helped, like, in terms of my officiating as well, because when I was first starting out, and it's still to this day, I don't enjoy watching hockey as much as I used to, because mm. I find I'm always in that kind of officiating mindset. So when I was younger, going to Mooseheads games, I'd be watching those guys. And it's cool now, because I'm working with them on the ice, too. So it's definitely was a big learning curve, and you would 
take what you see at that level and try to apply it with myself and carry it forward at the lower levels as well. Where did you sit when you went with your dad? Or did you your mom went too? Like how did that work? We were usually for the most part in section 26. I haven't been in there in such a so long time. It's, uh, like the Zamboni end to the right side. Okay. And sat there for the most part. And since I've kind of worked my way up into the higher levels of hockey, like most of your games are Friday, Saturday nights, right? Yeah. And same with the Mooseheads. So I haven't gone to near as many games in the past little bit. Do you have any memories of going in the actual PA announcer box in between the penalty box with him? Oh, yeah. Um, he wasn't always down at ice level. He's only been down at ice level, I'd say, the past, since he took over for Pat Conley. So 2010, maybe. So where was he before? He used to be up top. Um, the media, the press box. The press box. And it wasn't always there, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, he kind of he moved around a little bit. Um, but definitely some memories of being up there. And a couple times when I was younger, like 13, 14, I'd do the, he'd let me do the music for some of the preseason games. That was cool, too. <laughs> and he'd be the one announcing, but only that a couple times. Do you get to pick the music? Oh, yeah. That's and, There was once, too, I actually... You know how he told the story of he had, like, McKinnon and Druin. I can't remember who else coming back from the pizza shop at Acadia. Yeah, yeah. Um, they needed someone to be Hal that game. I love, there's always random stories about someone and being Hal. It was pretty cool, but it was it's the, probably one of the grossest experience ever because you're literally <laughs> wearing someone else's hockey gear. Like, the, the costume is basically hockey gear with a big bobblehead on top. Oh. Uh. And it's pretty gross. Like, I showered two or three times afterwards, and you can still smell it. And I've never been in the Acadia rink before, and only a couple times since then. And I got lost walking around underneath. Yeah. And I got too hot and too sweaty with the full mascot thing on. So I took the hat off, or took the head off, or whatever you want to call it, walking around. <laughs> and I see this, like, six- or seven-year-old kid, and they see Hal walking around. They were petrified. They thought it was, like, some real... I don't know what they thought it was, but they were mortified. I ruined Hal for that poor kid. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the kid still thinks about that. Oh, yeah. Just absolutely ruined the experience of oh, mascots for the rest of their life. This was a sweaty, sweaty mascot. Sweaty. Yeah. Did you get paid? Probably. I don't remember. 50 <laughs> bucks, maybe. Not worth it, whatever it was. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. You always hear a random story pop up about the guy who's actually supposed to be Hal calling in sick, and they need a, a quick... Like, I know a guy who was at the Moosehead game. He was already, like, a couple beer in. He was just going to, like, be a fan. <laughs> And they're like, hey, man, are you coming to the game tonight? And I was like, yeah, but I'm having a beer already. He's like, we'll give you this much to be Hal tonight. And you're like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Just a couple, like, random stories about it. Oh, it's all, it'd be fun. And, like, I wish it would be far more fun now to do because I was probably 15, 16 when it did it. So you're just kind of not really <laughs> sure what you're doing. Did but you for, fill it out? Probably not. <laughs> 15, 16. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be more fun to do it now. Like, you'd just have more confidence and go and mess with people. Like, I remember, like, going up to older guys and just like taking their hat and putting it on the nose and they're just, like they just want to swing at you but you can't because you're in a costume right? <laughs> i want to do it now so yeah. it sounds interesting um what do i want to ask you oh yeah when you watch games uh do you watch the game or do you watch the refs Unf i'd say unfortunately i watch the refs yeah I'm, like i, was, I, I, I don't really have like the fandom as much as i used to like, i love your it's an honest answer and i I, w I don't like watching hockey as much as i used to because of that like i can't really shut my brain off like i'm always kind of watching the officials and critiquing the game and things like that yeah um like i would say like my dad i am a leafs fan didn't have much choice so like i'll watch when the playoffs come around because i don't really care what they do now <laughs> um 
but I don't enjoy watching hockey as much as I used to. So when you're watching a game hypothetically and there's an icing, are you putting your arm up in the no, living room? Not like that. Hey, that's, it's all right if you that's are. That's a liney thing too. I don't know what the linesmen do. Oh so. yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, when they go to the penalty box. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Like, oh, it's a trip, and you're kind of like wondering if they're going to put their arm up and things like that, yeah. or looking at their positioning. And I guess I do get more interested when you see some of like the IAHF because they must, they definitely use kind of different tactics and different positioning too like the International Ice Hockey Federation. So when you're watching some of like the the international stuff that isn't main, that isn't like NHL or isn't Quebec League, like there definitely is different procedures and what do you mean? positioning I they follow. Like they they have different positioning and different approaches to things, you can tell. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much it would come across to the average person, yeah, but I wouldn't know I'd what, uh, pick up on that kind of stuff. And so it, it's interesting to see that stuff. So when you say you cover from ringette line to far blue on IHF, would it be different? No, they're kind of like they'll have different end zone positioning. I'll notice like they'll be a lot tighter than that, and I get nervous. I'm like, you're gonna get absolutely smoked with a puck right now. Like, if there's a quick pass to the slot and they shot on net, and the goalie deflects it wide. Like they're right in the firing zone there. So things like that. Uh, yeah, I'll have to watch. I, I have. I'll admit I haven't stayed up to watch any of the Olympics, but once when I'll stay up for one of these games and. I'll take a look. Yeah, I don't know how much it would come across the average person. Yeah, that's true because I guess through the NHL, I don't even notice the refs anyways in their positioning, so it would be tough to compare to anything. And they also have different tactics too. Like they have, they're afforded the availability of video review. So they're able to kind of not hide out in the corner, but they don't have to be right in the muck of it as much, right? Because Mm -hmm. if anything happens, they can go to review. So they're able to sit back and take in the broader view. In the queue, do they have video review? Yeah, I think every rink they need to have it. Um, I've never worked anything with video review, so I'm not kind of at the the level of that or don't have any experience with that. That would be cool, though. You must think about that from time to time, that one day potentially you could have a, you know, hypothetically, you could put your hand on a little mic here and talk to the rink and go, two minutes, dripping, number four. Yeah, it'd be nice like, to have the reassurance and have kind of the insurance policy, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, part of the fun is the, it's a unique job for sure because I can't really think of any other job where, perfection is almost your look like perfection is expected like people like it's not like you oh you get you're allowed to have a couple missed calls tonight. like people expect and demand perfection mm. every game do you and think the overall conclusion of a ref is a little offended by the replay by video review it's like okay i called it a goal but then we go to toronto now they call it no goal it's like does that make a ref look bad yes or no how what, what do you think they're overall i don't think it does um I'm a humble guy, so I feel like it would be as long as you get it right, I'm okay with it. I can live with it at the end of the day. Hmm. Um, as long as you get it right, that's all that really mattered to me. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me to say that because I've been in that situation before. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I'm sure there are some guys that would get upset um, if something gets overturned. And But at the end of the day, you, everyone and every ref would say they just want to get it right. Even if it's not them getting it right, though? It's a good question. Um I myself, I know I'd be kind of embarrassed, or not. I, you know, I thought that was a goal, but it goes to Toronto, and now I, it's no goal. It's I've like, no, I don't know. I've noticed that too, and some of like other mic'd up videos I've watched at that level, like it will be the coach will ask them, "Is that you calling it a goal, or is it Toronto calling it a goal?" And depending on the response, the coach will. I feel like some of the refs might say, "Oh yeah, it was Toronto called it." <laughs> Toronto called it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not at that level, and. But that's just what they've said, and that's probably honestly what it is. Like, they're probably refer- – like, I'd say Toronto does have the call majority of the time, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I guess I really don't have anything else to say to that. It's just going to be – it's part of the game. You can't you can't change it. 
looking forward it's just it's going to be there no matter what are you into baseball much i am yeah i'm, I'm very aware of that conversation about the umpires and, and things going on they did did you see what they did at the the triple a level with the automatic strike zone or the robotic strike zone yeah, they did a test trial with yeah. uh, we had jake sanford in here a couple months ago okay. and they he had a game and they were doing that actual I don't think they did it for the whole season, but for a couple games they tested it out. Yeah, he said it was weird. Yeah, it looked. It didn't look like it worked that well. Well, it's a game that's been around for. Yeah. I don't even know how long baseball's been around, but the the rules haven't changed ever, and to be able just to come in and not have certain things put in place. Yeah, it'd be different for sure. Very different. There's something about a, a human element of a guy calling you out, a ball strike. I don't know. It's part of the game. Yeah. You need it. You need Joe West in there. No, he just retired. He did just retire, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. Was he the ref that called the guy out at first when he had a no-hitter? No. In Detroit? That was Jim Joyce, I believe. <sighs> I don't know, that might not even be his name, but I think it's Jim Joyce was the guy that did that. That was a heartbreaking scene. Yeah, that was a tough scene. We make a movie out of that. Yeah. I don't think that guy ever really did anything since then. How or could the, 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 the Detroit pitcher. Oh, no? No, I think that was kind of like the pinnacle of his career, unfortunately. I wonder if he got the no-hitter, if he would have moved on to better things. Yeah, that's one thing you wonder about. You're into baseball? Not as much as other sports. Hmm. Um, I definitely wish I played it more as a kid growing up. Played it a little bit, but not as – I'm on the bandwagon when the Jays start to do well, but aside from – I'm just like everyone else in that sense. 100%. When yeah. the Jays are doing well in the summer, catch me on a couch 2 o'clock yeah. on a Wednesday. I'm there. It's awesome. It's the best. So much fun. I love the game. There's a lot going right now, though. Hopefully – I don't know what's going on, but – Hopefully it comes back. Dude, I have no idea. And they're good right now. That's the th- shitty thing about all this. Like, the Blue Jays are good. And now there's a lockout. It's, I mean, it's a, part of, it's a part of pro sports. and something that frustrating for the fans. But, I mean, I hope they end up playing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to answer this. Hopefully you can. But have you heard any whispers of uh, competition returning? I know practices are back, but have you heard anything about uh, competition? We, we get internal emails all the time, like have your availability ready. Like we're looking to hope up or to ramp up and get going again soon. So I think after February 14th, some of the restrictions change. But I know as much as you do. Like um, okay, I think the second half of February we're looking to get started again. Hmm. I'm really hoping we get started again, but it's beyond our control, unfortunately. Do you have, like, potential tournaments that you could be doing up in the air right now? Um, not that there's a tournament. They might be having the Talus Cup in Cape Breton. I don't yeah. know if I'll be going to that or not, but that's part of what the, the early bird that you were yeah, was up there for. They brought in a bunch of refs to kind of evaluate and assess and try and decide who they're going to take there. But, again, that's two or three years that we haven't had that tournament available just because of COVID, right? So, Do you think the refing development in Nova Scotia has kind of suffered a little bit because of these stop and start, stop and starts? Not even refing, just even I'd say, Yeah, it's everything. At, at all levels, like an, on all sides of the game too because there's nobody getting that experience for the past, or a constant experience, I would say, over the past two years. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there are a lot of coaches that are still working their kids hard and kids that are still practicing, but refing's different. You can't really practice refing, so... I never thought of that either. You can't practice refing. No, trial by fire, and that's about it. <laughs> that's a, I never thought of that. You can't practice refing. Refs don't have practices. No. So, I mean, yeah, you definitely learn a lot and learn it through that aspect. Um, but it's a learning curve. Still is a learning curve. Always will be a learning curve. How many games have you done in one day the most? Back in the day... You'd probably do like five or six like minor hockey games. Probably have done a couple more like in tournaments. Um, 
I remember a couple years we had three games in a day. I did two high school games, and they were three-man at this point in time. I might have lined one of them, but then that night I did my first AUS game, and that was too much because I did two games already in the third game that day, and I was just zonked by the end of it. <laughs> and, like, usually it's more just it's mentally taxing than anything. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's a breeze physically. Like, you are a little bit tired, but mentally I find is what gets most tiring. Well, you have to be watching everything. Your your eyes can get tired before your head does, you know? You, you have to be looking around to make sure that there's no slash, no chippy shit. Yeah. You, you, know, you got to make sure. You need to just be hyper-aware at all times, and it is taxing for sure. Do you have coffee before a game? Always, pretty much. Really? Black? Uh, One milk. One milk? Okay. One milk. Fun. My usually pregame snacks, coffee, banana, and PB&J. Yeah, it's pretty, that's on par. To I'm not superstitious at all, but definitely like the same process, same proceed like before every game like getting prepared the same way is what i should say how early do you show up to the rink before i like to be an hour as much as i can I always try to be an hour before and just kind of get in get settled in and make sure you have everything forgot a few things a long time have you ever forgot what's one thing you forgot uh um, get a whistle ever i think i forgot a whistle once in the room like <laughs> oh, you, you get out on the ice and just you don't have your whistle and go back in and get it um definitely <laughs> this is funny i was working a a U.S. women's game earlier this year and it was on like a Thursday so early in the week I was doing laundry and I outsmarted myself I was going to wash everything so I put my cup on laundry like, you know what I'm not going to wash that because I'm going to forget that or not put it back in my bag so I put it in my bag and get to the rink and I have like the the holder but no actual cup <laughs> and it's a AUS women's game and I don't normally typically work that league I'm the only guy on the crew and the only guy in the rink that would need a cup so i'm like man this is not fun (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's of every of any game to forget it it's the one not to do it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i forgot the cup that's funny at least you got out there and you got the job done yeah yeah just keep your hands a little lower yeah every now and then that's funny no, I, uh, I, uh, I I hope to be back in the rinks here soon and be able to see you at the rinks. It's always great to be able to head over to these rinks in Nova Scotia and just know everyone. It's a great feeling. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I was saying in the intro about you. It's like, yeah, you're, you're well known in the hockey community around here, and I'm starting to feel that love being in. You know, we've probably been in the rinks more often than none for the past three years, and the relationships that I've made over these past three years of just being in the rinks, just even Zamboni drivers, refs, players, coaches. It's unbelievable what uh, your life can turn into as long as you're in a rink for. A, a good portion of your life and yeah you're not hearing any complaints from me i love it no it's a tight community and it's something that i'm very fortunate and happy to be a part of mm. and some that i'm hoping we can get back and keep doing it again um and you're right though it, it, it's a very tight community on all sides even though we are on different teams and different levels of it it's something that unites all of us so mm. it's awesome well, what i was saying earlier how about like if you're good to the refing community i'm sure the refing community is good to you it's the same thing on our end it's you know if you're, if you're good to the hockey parents the hockey parents are going to be good to you and that's i guess a rule of thumb we always try to put into every time we walk into a rink is you know yeah when we go in we're, we're trying to live stream we're trying to we're, we're trying to work and it can sometimes get annoying when things get in your way and you can't work but you, you still can't let that thing distract you you got to be nice to people and you got to get the job done and we find if we do that like i said the hockey world's good to us we like it it's fun that's how we met you i think it was like two years ago we were at the i think it was jordan boy tournament yeah yeah i think that's when i met you for the first time yeah it would have been there hopefully that gets back again well i guess they did golf this year which was a great time golf tournaments always fun we do like a referee one 
we haven't done in the past couple of years because of COVID and whatnot, but normally there's only three or four of us together in one spot, right? So when you put all of us together in one common area, mm. we typically have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when you have the boys together, a couple beer, it's a great time, especially in the rink. Yeah, it's always a good time. Um, plans for the rest of, I guess, I don't want to say the week, but leading up into February 14th, because if games do come back or whenever games do come back, you got to be in game shape. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Like you said, refs don't practice. Um, but keys to success when it comes back to game time for you? Um, just I always go to the gym regularly throughout the week. It's something that I do it more for my head than for my body. I just, it's always a good reset. Um, it's Yeah, like I said, it's difficult because we can't practice. I would like to be doing more cardio and things like that, but that's not more of a weight guy at the gym. Um, the only card I really do is refing throughout the year. And then I've rollerbladed a bunch throughout the summer. Like I got into that through COVID, I guess, like didn't really have much else to do. So started doing that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just put in the work when you need to and make sure that you're ready when the time comes. Um, advice for any young guy or girl looking to get into, uh, your line of work when it comes to the ref game. First thing I would say is learn to not take things personally. You can't take anything personally in this line of work because no coach is ever going to thank you for calling a penalty <laughs> against them. And very rarely will a coach ever agree with your not a, not to say agree, but they will never be grateful for a penalty that you call against them. Um, so you can have to learn to not take it personally. Learn that they're getting upset with um, the jersey that you're rep- they're upset with what you're representing and the jersey you're wearing. Um, I'd say that's one of the things, because if you can get past that, then there's so much more that you can stick with and just be a sponge. Like doesn't matter what anyone tells you, take it for what you think it's worth and just be a sponge. Hmm. Always ask questions. If someone's offering something to you and sharing advice with them, take it. Okay. What do you think the biggest mistake is young refs make? I would say that one of the bigger mistakes that people opt to make is just not listening. To who? Some of the supervisors, the supervisors, like, trying to tell you something or if someone, like, if you're if you're thinking you're right all the time and you're not willing to accept and open your mind, and that's not just for ref fancy, it's for anything. If anyone's trying to share a different perspective with you, I think you should open up and listen to it. I like that. I don't see, yeah, if anything, if you're more closed-minded or if you're not willing to adapt and learn new processes and new ways and new perspectives, yeah. definitely limits you. 100%. I like that, especially in your line of work. There's so many scenarios that you're going to be in as a ref, so many. And if you listen to people that have already been in those situations, they can do nothing but help you, I'm assuming. Yeah. You have a toolbox and fill it up with as much as you can. <laughs> Whether you decide to use the tools or not, that's a different story. I like that. But try and take in as much as you can so that it's there if you need it. I like that a lot. And that, I'd say not just refing that goes day-to-day, too. Just life. Yeah. This guy's trying to tell me stuff every day. I still don't <laughs> listen, but <laughs> I'm joking. Um, do you have uh, do you want to say anything to anyone last minute of the podcast is yours do you want to thank anyone say hello pitch a product but you got to pay me after <laughs> do whatever you got to do I don't have any products to pitch um, I guess one thing I will say is my uncle Doug he passed away in early January and I'm not trying to be a downer or anything like that but he was battling leukemia and he got to see another Christmas and another New Year because of blood donations 
So if you're out there and anyone other than my mom and dad are still listening to this, <laughs> um, please, if you're afforded the, the health and the ability to do it, please go donate blood. Awesome. Donate blood. I love it. Um, Drake, thank you for coming in. I really appreciate your time. Like I said, we didn't flood, so we made it through. Here we go. We, uh, we're good to go. Everyone listening, today's Tuesday, right? Tuesday, all day. But we're putting this out tomorrow, so uh, Wednesday. Everyone have fun. Work hard. Drake, once again, thank you for coming in. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, We are out. Peace. Take care.